As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A strange spiralling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man and that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Shocking, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soule. Joining me for another episode of the strange and macabre and sometimes outlandishly silly is the one, the only, the researcher extraordinaire herself, Holly Soul. Thankfully, not much macabre actually in this episode. Oh, thank Okay, funny story. <laughs> funny story. So I've been looking forward to this episode. Uh, number one, it's a monster episode. How fun is that? Uh, but number two, obviously last week and the week before and the week before that were pretty heavy subjects. Uh, Weird Crap in Australia Volume 2 is coming out, which means work begins in earnest on Weird Crap in Australia Volume 3. Um, now, we've discussed our process on a couple of different podcasts, but the very basics of it are we take the research notes from the previous year. I start uh, – this is Holly's phrase, which I absolutely love, by the way – I start to bully them into the form of a book. Uh, it then goes back to Holly. Holly does, you know, some editing, some further editions, and then comes back to me for a second pass um, and to our editor extraordinaire, not Blake this time, but our written editor extraordinaire being Veronica Hunt, um, Holly's mum, my uh, mother-in-law, who then uh, does her edit. And then Holly looks at those two edits and then she does a fourth and final edit of the book. So right now I'm in the first, um, I'm in my first uh, round of doing additions to the, to the book and first two chapters, loving it. Uh, and now I'm into 14 pages of Mr. Fucking Cruel. Uh, if you haven't listened to those episodes and you don't feel like feeling feelings anymore because you need to disconnect with humanity. Um, yeah, go listen to the Mr. Crawl episodes. I can't even remember. Is that one well, sixty? If the monsters, no, if the monsters is one oh six because comic book killer bridged the two. So monsters would be one oh six, and you did one between it, which makes it about one oh eight, one oh nine. Yeah. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a very rough subject, and uh, so I've been writing that. So the 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 misery. Um, 
continues on for me. And misery and- loves company, so he wants you guys <laughs> to go and join. And that's my fault. <laughs> that is absolutely my fault because I've decided that uh, part of my writing career uh, should be based in what we do. True so, crime, which means yeah. that eventually it would be child crime. Yeah. Wait until he comes right back around to last couple of weeks' episodes on book four. Yeah, that's right. I get to revisit all that uh, again um, next year, next October, around there, somewhere around there. It'll be about the point where we go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Fuck, now I have to remember it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you may notice uh, my voice sounding a little bit funny. Um, that's just because I got a cold this week and- Another funny story, <laughs> don't get a cold or a flu during a pandemic <laughs> because everyone gives you the side eye. Even though there hasn't been a locally transmitted case in 319 days or 320 yeah. or 21 or whatever it's up to in, now. In our area. Yeah. In our local area here bordering the ACT. Uh, I coughed in the tea room today. <laughs> Did they all sprint for the exits? <laughs> I got looks. I got looks and people being like, where, 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 where's the hand sanitizer? Where the, where's, where's the hand sanitizer? Hand Throw sanitizer hand- ain't going to stop you if he's coughing in the air, guys. Throw hand sanitizer at him. <laughs> be gone, uh, foul demon. You know. Be gone. <laughs> holy water. Yeah, using it as holy water. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend getting a cold during this time. Um, obviously, the COVID tests are a pain in the ass uh, and a pain in the nose, depending on how they administer it. Mum called it being lobotomized. <laughs> it's not fun. It's a, it, I mean, you need to get it. Yeah. Um, our poor editor has had, what, six? Six so- or seven? Something like that. Mum Mum works with aged care work, so she gets one every two days. <laughs> our friend Cookie, he goes and gets one for human contacts, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure that's why he does it. He go, he needs human contact. Um, who, and he's just started listening to the show because he's using it to help him get fit. Oh, great. So in about, because he's right back at the start. So in about half a year's time, he'll <laughs> be her like, being made fun of. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get a random like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> anyway, so as you can tell, lighthearted. Um, I do have a warm drink next to me to help me get through some of this, guys. So... If we stop and and start this every time I take a drink, uh, it's going to be a very long podcast. So if you do hear a noise or two that is a little bit outside the norm, just let it go. Or tell me about it. You know, <laughs> then we'll tell Blake you should have edited it out. <laughs> just for that, he's going to leave every noise in. So without further ado, we're going to go into a little string called the Queensland Monsters. Yeah, this is another listicle. We haven't done a listicle for a while and we haven't done monsters for a little while either. It's kind of a listicle. It's actually a string of cases that linked into each other in the sources that I was using. Doesn't listicle sound very similar to testicle? Yes, that's why I don't like (laughs) using it. (laughs) It's a fun episode. Last, Last three weeks were hard. The last three weeks was building tension. Now we break it. That's how you set up a joke, according to uh, Hannah Gatsby. (laughs) At the beginning of June 1954, the small town of Bowie, Queensland, was in a- Bowie. Not to be confused with Cooey. Yes. uh, Cooey. Is is that localized to Australia? Yes, it's an Australian call. It is, yeah. So if you're on a mountain, you don't know if there's anyone out there who could help you get off the mountain. You go, Cooey. And maybe you'll hear cooey back. And it's not an echo. Oh, (laughs) fuck you. You're stuck. Good luck. (laughs) Not fucking coming to get you. They were in an uproar. The local paper began publishing information on an animal sighting just outside of town reported by three youths. 
These three teens told the paper that on or around May 27, 1954, they were travelling over a field outside of town, heading out to hang out and get into typical teenager shenanigans. They were approximately five miles away from the nearest homestead, which was owned at the time by Mr. J. Perrett on the Mount Hope cattle station. The travelling trio made a discovery while out on the property. Nestled in the bushland surrounding the property was a cave. Did you ever come across caves when you went out bushwalking? No, we tried to make our own and I think we only got about a foot and a half into the hillside and gave up. <laughs> we, I'm pretty sure we encountered one or two uh, out on a bushwalk. Um, we were taught, you know, don't go near them. Mm-hmm. Very, very dangerous. Uh, you shouldn't, you should actually, any undocumented caves you find, you should actually be really, really careful about. It's probably a serial killer throwing people down it. Of course, Holly goes to the most logical <laughs> conclusion. I was going to say it could be an abandoned mine shaft, which could collapse on you, um, or it could just be an unstable cave. So you got to be very careful. One thing that turns my stomach, and I think it turns your stomach as well, Holly, is watching those cave divers move through those tiny, tiny. Little- I used to do it, and I don't know how oh. I used to do it. I, like, no, nah, I can't, can't even it, imagine doing it anymore. Because up, up until. I would say maybe six months now. I was uh, I was quite an obese fellow. I was quite a heavy fellow. Um, I'm down to a normal weight now, which is uh, wonderful. Uh, being a fat kid, I was terrified of getting stuck in shit. I know. I would fucking abseil without any prep. No worries at all. Take me cave diving. No fucking way am I going anywhere near anything that's smaller than like a couch. Yeah, I don't do heights either, so I'm I'm double out. <laughs> you go abseiling and then go cave jump diving. Jump off the back of like. shit. <laughs> Being the adventurous youths that they were, the boys ventured into the cave to explore. Unfortunately for them, the cave was not uninhabited. Deep in the darkness, something growled. A strange, ominous growl that the boys had never heard before. The boys took off, racing away from the cave as fast as they could. One of them looked back long enough to realise something was chasing them. The momentary lapse in concentration led the teen to trip just short of the open sky. <laughs> like a fucking horror movie dickhead. Yep. This is absolutely what gets your ass killed in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So the two friends who are way in front of him. They're fucking gone. They're doing the right thing. This guy just failed horror movie school Never look back. Never look back. Don't look back. Ever. Just keep running. And don't trip. <laughs> it was in the, the scary movie parody- where uh, they're, they're obviously parodying Scream, mm-hmm. uh, which had one of the characters do like a, a listicle mm-hmm. uh, of how to survive a horror film. And he just he puts it as simple as like, don't fall down. And I, I think that's yep. very good fucking advice. If you've been chased by a monster in a cave, you shouldn't have been in in the first place. Probably best to keep a sure footing and not fall down. Watch where you're putting your feet at all times. The creature rushed towards him and now stood in the full light of day. The sight of the creature startled the young man back into movement and he scrambled to his feet to catch up with his comrades as they evaded the pursuit of the creature. They told me they heard strange growling from inside, Mr. Parrot said. They said something like a tall man with hairy legs and a tail reaching to the ground came out. Uh, It it was covered with uh, dull grey hair or or fur. Uh, It appeared to have a kind of apron hanging in the front. All right, Holly, I'm going to solve this one. All right. This is going to take all of my sceptical power. It's Leatherface. What kind of creature 
in Australia could have the appearance of wearing an apron, perhaps an animal that stood on two legs, that has some sort of pouch-like thing. I wonder, perhaps it could be a kangaroo? Well, the description that they gave in this particular quote makes it sound like a kangaroo, but in another quote, he said it was something like an eight-foot-tall dude wearing an apron, which made me think more Leatherface. Okay, so a couple of things that, that I want to point out here. Uh, kangaroos do growl, uh, especially buck kangaroos. They do make a noise, not a like Skippy, which doesn't exist. And they don't play the drums. Well, they occasionally play the drums, but they do it of their own volition. Uh, they do. They can growl. They can make guttural noises, right? Uh, so I really imagine this kid has looked up. It's dark. It's grimy. There's there's light. Like you know, light is not available. He looks up, sees a shadowy figure. I'm pretty sure it was an old kangaroo having a snooze and these dickhead teenagers have woken it up. I'm like, get the fuck off my lawn. And especially when they say like a, a, a grey leathery face. Well, we're probably looking here at a, a, a large male buck eastern grey kangaroo that it looks leathery because of the lack of light. Or it was a monster. <laughs> it's a cave dwelling monster that they've never caught. Dun, dun, dun. We call him Barry. Bazza. Lives in a he's cave. A, he's Australian. He's Bazza. Bazza lives in a cave, mate. The boys made it to Mr. Parrot's home and he managed to calm them down long enough to coach a description of the creature from the boys. The man took the boys back into town where they gathered near the closest public building and called on the townspeople to gather a party and investigate the cave monster. Yeah, how did they do this? It went down they? the pub. Here they, here they. Put down your pints, for we, gentlemen, are about to go monster hunting. Oh, I haven't been monster hunting in ages. Wait, are we sure it's not Baza? <laughs> no, it most certainly is not Baza. That's right, mate, I'm over here. There's <laughs> a kangaroo in the pub just holding a beer. It's Australia. Every <laughs> kangaroo, every bar has a kangaroo holding a beer here. You ever been to a, a rural pub and not seen a kangaroo drinking a beer? Yes. <laughs> well, then you obviously didn't grow up in Schumann. <laughs> a group of men gathered around the lot and loaded their guns and accompanied Parrot back to his land. He followed it, his directions to the now infamous cave. The men spent the weekend out on the property searching high and low for the creature. They were so confident in their ability to bring it home that one hunter told the local paper... They intended on bringing it back, dead or alive, by dawn on Monday, June 7. The local police, however, were nowhere to be found when the locals requested help in the search for the creature. I love your uh, assumption about the police motivations here, Holly. I really agree with you 100%. They'd heard discussions of the hunt, and more than one of the officers was uncomfortable heading out into the bush with a bunch of jumpy men holding guns. I totally fucking agree with that. I wouldn't want to be fucking anywhere no, near it. <laughs> absolutely not. And there is precedent for this. There are multiple accidental shootings documented on Bigfoot hunts in America. I mean, Cheney shot someone in the back while he was hunting quail, so. Yeah, like there, <laughs> there have been uh, like shooting accidents while people are hunting Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. 
Last podcast on the left often jokes that they were simply hunting Ben Kissel while he was <laughs> drunk in the forest. I think that's plausible. Having met the man, he is enormous. We've got a quote from the Herald that backs up my statement. But Police Sergeant E.H. Water says it's pounds to peanuts that the hairy monster is an old wallaroo. He said the police won't be with the shooting parties. <laughs> They'll be shooting on sight at anything that moves. It won't be healthy or safe to be out there, mate. That's the cop. <laughs> That's the cop. <laughs> the cop who should be telling them not to do it is like, you know what? I'm not going to stop you, but I ain't going out there. Good fucking luck. I'm going to be at home. Once one of you shoots the other Call one, me. just let me know. Call, we'll send an ambulance, but yeah. We're just kind of cordoned off this area <laughs> and we're going to let survival of the fittest you take care nuts, of this. You just don't cross this this uh, fence line here, all right, boys? Fucking <laughs> hell. That has to be the most Australian cop of all fucking time. <laughs> 1954, it's got to be real. As with most sightings of monsters, cats or Tasmanian tigers in the Australian bush, there were those who sought the monster to shoot in taxidermy just to say that they were the one who did it. Overhunting of native animals has had a significant effect on numbers, even contributing to extinction in some cases, such as our episode on the Tasmanian tiger. Some in the group were more scientifically inclined and thought that, should they discover the animal, they should capture it for study. Since the bushmen and townspeople had been talking of armed hunting parties to kill, quote-unquote, the thing, many people have condemned this move and have urged that the thing be trapped alive for the benefit of science. I love this article too. <laughs> Boo! The things at Booey! Sometimes they get really creative with the headlines. You can tell they had nothing else to do that afternoon, so they were just like pinning puns to the board and then throwing a dart at it. Well, see, I think that's fairly lazy, to be honest. <laughs> that was, yeah, they that, pinned it to the board and that's just where the dart landed. <laughs> that's the equivalent of there's a scary thing at Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> the science-based approach was generally ignored, of course, and the hunters continued in their search. Strangely enough, not a single hunter was injured in the days that they were out in the bush seeking the monster. I believe that's a minor miracle. No, I know, and I have a plausible explanation for that as well. They're all so fucking drunk that they couldn't shoot <laughs> shit anyway. Just fell asleep in the bush. That wouldn't surprise me. There were no sightings of the creature beyond that which the boys initially reported. Armed bushmen went out in search of the creature. Searchers with guns went out the night after the boys reported the sighting, but they failed to locate anything. A collection of dingo and kangaroo tracks were found near the cave system, along with the tracks of the boys, but there were no unknown or unrecognisable tracks. The men of the town retreated to the local pub, claiming that the boys saw was an old male kangaroo which were known to growl when disturbed. However, this was not the only theory on offer to the public as to what the thing actually was, said one police officer at the time. Our guess is that someone with a kangaroo skin outfit in the district is having a good old laugh. It's probably one of the boys down the pub having a drink while he watches them all running around. I mean, it could have just been someone like a hunter who used that cave. Um, one of the most uh, earlier uh, misidentifications of a Yowie, um, which is not too far away actually from us, Holly, uh, was a man who lived in a sort of ramshackle dwelling. Um, no one quite 
knows why he ended up in the bush and, and what he was doing out there. I've worked retail. I know why he was out there. <laughs> yeah, it escaped fucking humanity. Uh, so he used to wear like kangaroo skins and have a, he was very hairy, mm-hmm. uh, obviously not going to get a haircut or a beard trim. And most people thought he was a monster when they saw him. Sometimes like people just like to leave society Hermitage. Behind. Yeah, be a hermit. This small monster hunt in central Queensland was noted in some big time publications for the day. One such paper was the Herald in Melbourne, who likened the search for the thing to something a little more mysterious that had gathered attention in the 1940s. In said article, the authors alluded to another mythical creature. The last wild game hunt in Queensland was for the notorious... That word that Matthew is having a hard time pronouncing. Yangari. Yangari lion, which terrorised the village of Yangari in 1947. If anyone actually wants to know how I do my research, generally it will point me to the next thing I have to look at. And this is proof. This entire episode is Holly just finding a different mention of a different monster. Just following the trail. The third monster that we're going to cover before the the end of the episode. We're going back another decade. (laughs) Four decades, actually. Four decades. Only a decade before the report of the buoy monster, a strange animal was seen causing havoc in the Yangari region of Queensland. Mr. R. Tannock was the first to report the animal to the police. I bet he had a just luscious moustache. Tannock. That's I a, was that's thinking mis- more like leather tanning. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's really? I, I just thought of a glorious moustache and a rifle over his shoulder the entire time. That See, that description just gives me Crocodile Dundee with a handlebar. <laughs> well, I was thinking sort of like the Old West, like- Oh, you better beware. Mr. Tannock will be shooting up the bar or some shit. And I'm Irish for some reason. I don't know how that happened. I was I was thinking old West American. <laughs> you and I went straight Ireland. to Ireland, Irish, which is fine. Like there were plenty of Irish everywhere. Mm-hmm. By the time the police responded to the reports on June 21st, 1946, the animal had already been hunting in the area for seven months. Mr. R. Tenek of Wenjeri claims that the lion has been in the district seven months, although so far only two calves have fallen beneath its predatory fangs. Its footprints have been measured, and many farmers are keeping their calves close to their homes at night. Various animal mutilations around Yangari started to be pinned on the mythical creature, and it wasn't beyond a townsperson or two to utter a snarky comment here or there. A witness in a stealing case has given evidence that amongst other things which disappeared from her house at Burnett Heads was a white cat named Snowy. Asked by Mr. Justice Brennan if Snowy had been found, she gave a negative answer, causing his honour, who is imbued with wit, to promptly suggest that it might have been taken by the Yangari lion. Just imagine that, like, you're a witness in a thief's trial and he's like, are you sure the Yangari lion didn't steal your cat, love? It's Australia, Holly. Do you not expect every aspect of our society to take the piss out of someone? Our entire country was brought together because we take the piss out of everyone. I'm I'm pretty sure we've actually become a little bit less piss-takey, at least in the higher ranks recently, because they're all stuffy and up themselves. We need to get back to more piss-taking. 
It's it's what made Australia great. <laughs> Make Australia great again. By Take taking the piss. The piss yes. <laughs> and we don't mean the beer. And if any fucking politician uses that slogan, I swear to Christ, we will sue the shit out of you. <laughs> That's Matthew's election so- That's slogan. My, yeah, you just came up with my election slogan and it's ours and copyrighted. <laughs> Copyright, trademark, whatever the hell it is. I'm making it into a shirt yesterday. It's ours. <laughs> Much like the buoy monster that preceded it, a party of armed hunters formed, including some Dutch servicemen, and set out from Maryborough in the hope of shooting the animal. The proprietors of two Maryborough hotels were included in the party, and the owners of said hotels offered the men £100, which is about $7,200 in 2020, as a reward if they managed to kill the animal and can prove that the carcass was indeed the lion. Christian Pedersen Mose, oh, what an English name, shot the animal with a 30, 303 rifle a few miles out of town on July 22, 1946. When I was looking through this, I found a lot of different reports. Some said that he was a farmer moving his cattle. Some said he was a mailman. Some said he was a cream delivery guy back when, you know, milk was actually delivered in bottles and left on your doorstep. And also blue. Blue. Have you not seen like fresh milk? I'd, when would I have seen that? I grew up in Sydney. The most exposure to I had to a cow was in the butcher shop window. Bullshit. There were cows in the paddock when you started, me and you started dating. Yes. And my great uncle used to have me over at his dairy farm, but I don't remember that. I don't even remember the peacock that apparently chased me around. Ask her my Judy. She'll tell you. She <laughs> loves that story. What is it with you and animals? <laughs> they just don't like me, but I really like them and they just don't like me. <laughs> they like you too much. That's the problem. <laughs> they want to eat That's my the hair. Problem. Yeah, they do. Uh, Holly, can't be around giraffes. It's fucking hilarious. So. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, <laughs> Blue milk, I, Blue milk is where off. we were at. Yeah. So depending on the cow, uh, if you see like unhomogenized fresh milk come straight, straight from the tit. Tate. <laughs> Tate <laughs> would be a more accurate um, word. It works. Uh, yeah, you, the milk can sometimes have like a uh, a bluish tinge to it. For, 
because we don't know why he was there, we don't know why he had a rifle, but the fact that there were prints found everywhere around where he was means that he probably took the rifle in case it decided to eat him. Yeah, you were, they were probably, you know, they were being careful. Mm-hmm. Quote here for Matthew to read. It was 40 yards away, and when I saw its light ginger colour, I knew it was the alleged lioness, which had been hunted. I let go with my rifle. As it bounded towards me, I fired another shot. I got it through the brain. The skin was six and a half feet long. It was almost four feet high and weighed 170 pounds. Farmers who inspected the skin say they have never seen such a wild animal. They describe it as a cross between a dingo, a collie dog, and a fox. The animal has a fox's tail, 12 foot long, shaggy two, shoulders. Two feet long. Where's Sorry. The, two feet long. You're, it's, it's longer than the entire skin there, <laughs> See, and it's that sort of shit that would then get wrapped up into the legend and it becomes fact. That's how easy it is to do. Let me take that again. The animal has a fox's tail, two foot long, shaggy shoulders, bushy neck, the colouring of a collie dog, the characteristics of a dingo, huge claws, and heavy foot pads, six inches across. It's a big dog. It is a big dog, considering they think it's a collie, which is only the size of a cattle dog, which is not that big. Six inch feet is fucking huge. There would have been no way that a wolf could have gotten around Australia in the 1940s or is Fuck it- Fuck knows what they've brought over. Yeah. Well, that's- See, in, in reading that, because I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, let's let's have a little bit of a think about, you know, canine crosses. Uh, you don't see a lot of fox crosses and we've got a huge uh, feral fox population. Now, I don't think it's possible, is it? While a fox is a canine, it's not genetically viable with a, a dog or a wolf or anything like that. Yeah. You can definitely get a dingo and a dog to crossbreed. Happens oh, yeah, all the happens time. A lot. And the offspring of, of are completely viable. Yep. Um, they can then breed and breed and breed. Every fucking asshole with a dog that has a little bit of ginger in its fur claims that it's half dingo. <laughs> Holly's giving me the uh, fuck you stare. And that's perfectly acceptable because Holly's pretty convinced that one of her dogs was half dingo or quarter dingo. He has or- exactly the markings and they're pretty sure. It's a red kelpie. <laughs> The red He's hyperactive, dog. whatever the fuck he is. So, at any rate, not to rehash that argument, um, I wonder I wonder if perhaps someone had a Malamute or maybe they had a, a Husky or something along those lines that crossbred with a dingo. That would explain the bushy tail and the big paws. Yeah, actually it would. It would, yeah. And, and I mean, like, I, the thing is that I... The only reason that I would maybe doubt that theory, though, is that ownership of like huskies and malamutes, it really didn't take on until like the 90s, like the designer dogs and people imported them. And there was all sorts of like back and forth. I don't know if someone would have had a wolf or a husky in the 1940s in our particular climate. That being said, a lot of returning soldiers. The other thing is that if you had a husky or a malamute in the region, everyone would know about it because it would be such a unique dog. You'd know that it was there. You'd know if it had pups mm. or if it got on with someone that had pups. Man, I wonder what a dingo husky cross would look like. That'd be awesome. I'm going to Google it after this because I'm pretty sure that it's been done. I want one. <laughs> no, you don't. That would be the most hyperactive, untrainable fucking animal on the planet. I have a... 
overactive, <laughs> hyper fucking cat. They get on great. So you're like, have you met Talia? Yeah. <laughs> Talia, <laughs> fuck, have you met Joker? <laughs> when opened, the animal had half a potty calf, 14 foul legs, portions of birds and chewed rope and leather in its stomach. Final analysis said it was a female dingo collie cross. However, there were detractors who claimed that this wasn't actually the Yangari lion, after all, or that it wasn't the collie cross people supposed. All right, so just why are they doubting this? It has half a cow in its guts. Half a calf, not a cow. And it's obviously big enough to take out a calf, and then all the attacks stop after this. Yeah. So what the fuck is there to doubt? I love people. I Every, really do. Everyone likes to go, oh, I might still be out there just in case they get a chance to shoot it. Mr. H. Longman, former director of the Queensland Museum, said tonight that the skull of the animal should be saved for the museum. Classification of the animal would be assisted by the size and formation of the teeth. A Brisbane expert on the crossbreeding of animals said that he could not imagine a crossbreeding of a dog with a dingo that could produce such a large animal as the one shot. There you go. That's where the doubt is. It's size. The skin of the animal went missing from the lounge of the commercial hotel on July 23, 1946, after being brought into town for a display. When the proprietress of the Maryborough Hotel arrived at 8pm, she found it gone. It was returned a couple of weeks later on August 9, 1946. Someone absolutely had sex on top of that thing. Someone decided to get drunk and was like, you know what? I'm going to take the young guy line. Watch me. Watch me. And then had sex on it. Why does it always come back to that with you? <laughs> He's just shrugging. Like, it's not a visual medium, Matthew. You have to actually say something. Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> Face palm. <laughs> That's just going to be a thing now. It's like when I write out sad face and stuff in messages, it's just, I'm just going to be like shrug face palm. Yeah. <laughs> the skin, which disappeared while on display at Maryborough, was returned after a broadcast appeal on Thursday and Master Ferrick brought it to Brisbane. Mr. Ferrick said the circumstances surrounding the return of the skin showed it had been taken as a practical joke. The skin was given to a Brisbane taxidermist and a true-to-life animal now will be displayed. This was not the last monster that I found in this little string. And also not the first time that Australians have stolen shit that they really shouldn't have done. <laughs> the uh, dinosaurs of the Dinosaur Museum, everybody. Oh, fuck that piss. That one pisses me off, but so I'm not going to bring it up because <laughs> let's keep it lighthearted. So... There's a traveling circus going around Australia at the moment uh, that is part of the Sesame Street franchise. So um, a lot of the performers, uh, you know, they're they're dressed as Cookie Monster and Elmo and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, When they were in Brisbane, someone stole Big Bird. Those bastards. (laughs) They felt bad and they brought it back. Good, they should. But still. Never disappoint kids. Look. Unless they're snondy little shits. (laughs) I know me. (laughs) You would do it. And if I saw a discarded Big Bird costume. It would cross my mind to steal it. (laughs) Naughty, Matthew, naughty. Just being honest. The story of the lion at large has revived memories of the tarot monster, and some of the doubters suggest that he has been crossed with an Alsatian. Reading that, I thought the tarot monster was a dog. It's not. The Alsatian is the theory for the Yangari lion. Yes, that it's uh, it's bred with a big German shepherd. Shepherd and a dingo. 
which was called people often get confused about that uh, my one of my parents used to call our german shepherd an alsatian and the other used to call it a german shepherd uh, the reason that uh, that particular breed of dog has two names uh, is simply because of World War Two. So what had happened is- Blame Hitler. Uh, pretty much uh, to distance the, the breed from the Nazis uh, because the German Shepherd was used by Nazis. But the German Shepherd is a very uh, intelligent, very um, effective workhorse uh, as far as animals go. Um, it was used by everyone. So if you- weren't living in Nazi Germany, you refer to it as an Alsatian. If you were living in Nazi Germany, you were calling it a German Shepherd. But no, it's the other way around because Alsatian is a German word. Oh. Well, that's odd then, isn't it? It's a German Shepherd to everyone except Germans. It's an Alsatian to the Germans. Well, that just tripped me out. The theory I heard about the Alsatian, the German Shepherd thing, is that the Alsatians were so interbred in Australia that they needed new blood. And in order to differentiate the genetic lines, they called them German Shepherds when they were imported. Plausible as well. That's what I heard because mum had a German Shepherd as well and they were part of the German Shepherd League. But, oh, you know. I love German Shepherds. God, they're gorgeous dogs. They're so smart. I just don't like the dropped hip ones because they always look like they're cowering from well, someone. That, that, yeah, which is due to overbreeding. Yeah. The Tiaro monster was first spotted in 1904 in the waters of the Maryborough River where it was known to sneak onto the banks of the river and make off with livestock, having a particular taste for pigs. Queensland. Mm-hmm. Water. <laughs> I wonder what this could be. <laughs> it's a bunyip, obviously. Obviously. The creature was almost nine feet long, green, scaly, with a hiss that could make a stoic man relieve himself in his pants. That's Matthew's line. That's not mine. <laughs> Straight up blaming you for that one. At least I occasionally get credit for, as a co-writer on the script, so that's fine. I can I can live with that. And I thought that was a great line, and I love hearing you say it. Damn just you. For, just for Damn bust. you, you bastard. <laughs> you should just do that again. I'm I good. do like that line. I'm good. Thank you. Like, isolate that line, please, mate. <laughs> the creature haunted the waterways of the area for months, becoming more active and adventurous as the floods of June that year inundated the small nearby towns, and forced farmers to attempt to move their livestock away from the rising water. We should have actually renamed this episode to Queensland as a dump. <laughs> Queensland is full of a lot of animals and they seem to think they're monsters. They're all monsters. It's like, it's obviously a fucking crocodile. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, okay. Modern Queenslanders aren't as dumb as 1940s equivalent. Early century, because this spans like three different decades. Yeah. Those who lived and worked by the river reported seeing a creature emerging from the water, snagging itself prey, and then dragging it back in. Like a crocodile? Only small, short encounters of the creature were seen, and rumours started to spread of a creature living in the floodwater, hunting <laughs> any manner of animal that wandered too close to the shore's edge. Like a crocodile? There it is. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Quote for you. One day, some lads employed at a dairy farm on the river above Red Bank, Ben McEwen, Bob Gordon, and his brother Stuart, saw a huge animal resembling a gnarled log lying in the rushes at the water's edge. Like a crocodile? The banks of the river were watched closely by those who lived nearby as they searched for any sign of the creature. More than one sighting was reported, with one description of the monster being at least 15 feet long. I found it. I found it. Really? You found it? Yeah, it's up. Uh, 
Don't worry, it's just a crocodile. Let's go get looking for this monster. Fear and panic started to spread amongst those who lived along the river. What could they do against a monster 15 feet long who emerged from the water with no notice, snagged their prey and vanished again, leaving no sign of its passage? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be made into a shirt as well. That's a new Matthew. Like a crocodile. Yeah, like a crocodile. <laughs> Those who saw it being unarmed made no attempt to secure the monster. Steve mate, Irwin would have done it. <laughs> he would have done it. He wouldn't give him a shit. Oh, mate. As you can see. Oh, look. She's 16 foot and she's beautiful. Oh, she's a beauty. She. I love the way he used to do that. Like, we are going to cover Steve Irwin. Everything was gorgeous to him. Even oh, a fucking spider. Oh, he'd find like massive fucking snakes, which would make me piss bolt. And he'd be like... Oh, look, as you can see, she's a mature girl, uh, probably like five, six years old, and she's gorgeous. Look at how beautiful she is. And he meant it. He loved him. Yeah. St- stuff like, calm down, darling. I don't mean to hurt you. And I'm like, the snake doesn't give a fuck. Just let it go. <laughs> as always, the solution came not to secure their livestock away from the creature, but to pull out a rifle. Those who had guns and livestock to defend began routing through the river taking shots at anything that could be mistaken for the Tiaro monster. It's not nature's fault. It's not nature's fault. I hate that. I just hate it. And again, Steve Irwin, he hated it as well. He would relocate those animals. More than one log was peppered with bullets, as were fish and overly large eels. (laughs) Talk about shooting fish in a barrel. (laughs) Shooting logs in a barrel is what they were actually doing. In mid-June... Oh, wait, mate, mate. <laughs> I found it. Oh, oh, shit. Just another fucking crocodile. Never going to find this monster. In mid-June, a 13-foot female crocodile was shot in the river by Nathan Dowser and dragged ashore where she was put on display. Was it a crocodile? <laughs> Just read the fucking quote <laughs> 
gonna try. An endeavour was then made to put the carcass out of reach of other sportsmen to a hitching horse. See, this is so. Uh, every now and again, we encounter quotes that just aren't written correctly, but we've got to quote it. So this is how it was written in the newspaper. This is how it was written in the newspaper. An endeavour was then made to put the carcass out of reach of other sportsmen to hitching a horse to it and snagging it to some secluded spot. But the horse was unable to move it. It was found to be a female measuring nearly 13 feet in the stomach where a portion of a large fish, part of a dog's leg, a quantity of pumice and some other stone. The animal was skinned, is now temporarily stuffed with chaff. So taxidermied. <laughs> it was a good leather bullet. Like, why did they taxidermy it? Should have made like a handbag, a couple of belts, and maybe some shoes. Would have been fine. No, don't kill animals and wear them. No, you it's shouldn't not, do not that. Nice. It's not nice. Also, how did they know that this crocodile was the monster and not all the other crocodiles? Yeah, it that was they'd claimed seen? to be fifteen feet. It's only thirteen. It's another. Mo- the monster is still out ah, there, people. It's just another crocodile. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> However, even with this large creature taken from the water, attacks continued on, as did sightings of creatures that don't quite match the descriptions of a crocodile, but maybe of a crocodile that's wrapped up in leaves in floodwaters. <laughs> quite, quite probably. Uh, sounds to me like these assholes had started their farming areas near fucking crocodiles. Could the monsters of Bui, Yangari, and Tiaro still be out there guarding the bush? Maybe two of them. Were they really a kangaroo, a dog, and a crocodile? Most probably. Or are the monsters hiding themselves amongst the native animals, waiting for another chance to strike? I was hoping to make that really creepy. I know. And I can't stop smiling because you made me laugh. You bastard, you ruined my theory. Theory? I had a a really nice atmosphere that was in my head and it didn't make it out because you made me laugh. Do you you want me to do? do? This is what I'm going to do for you, Holly. It's already done, man. (laughs) <laughs> I know you just, I know you did, but this is what I'm going to do for you. Just because I, I feel bad for taking this away from you. So I'm going to put Australian. on- The idea is to take the piss, remember? That <laughs> that's was your right. entire campaign. That's, that's exactly right. All right. So th- this is what I'm going to do for you. <clears throat> However, even with this large creature taken from the water, attacks continued on as did sightings of creatures that don't quite match the description of a crocodile. Could the monsters of Bui, Yangari, and Tiaro still be out there guarding the bush? Were they really a kangaroo, a dog, and a crocodile? Or are the monsters hiding themselves amongst the native animals, waiting and watching for another chance to strike? And yeah, that, that's what I was looking for. And that is how you do atmosphere. But it's really hard when your dickhead husband has made a joke for the last like 10 minutes and keeps looking at you with a stupid face. Yeah, because I'm trying really hard to like wipe the smile at least so it doesn't sound like I'm laughing my way through it. So there you go, folks. That's our makeup for the last three episodes that we put you through. We hope you've enjoyed that. We had a lot of fun with it. I hope you did as well. Uh, do you know anything about this? Uh, do you have any encounters with any of these particular monsters? Or maybe you have a monster that we haven't heard of. 
Keep the conversation going by finding us on Facebook. We Crap in Australia is where you can leave a post or shoot us a direct message. You can also find us on Instagram under the same name and you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Weird Crap in Oz. Uh, as we mentioned at the head of the podcast, We Crap in Australia Volume 2 is of the pre-order. Where can I get that, Holly? Actually, by the time this airs, there'll be two days left. So Lulu will be open for orders. Lulu.com. And Amazon will be still in pre-order, but not for very long. Yes, you'll be able to get your ebook. And if you'd like to order a physical copy from one of our great mates, Impact Comics is the place to do that. Info at impactcomics.com.au or you can go to impactcomics.com.au and shoot them a message directly. You can give them a phone call. Mal uh, will happily organize that uh, for you. Um, so you can go pick up a copy of the book from a physical bookstore. You can get it online and you can get a print on demand. We are giving you everything. And on top of that, we uh, I was going to say Weird Crap in Australia. Uh, Impact Comics does do delivery Australia-wide. So if you'd like to get that from a store, those guys are the guys to do it. Don't forget to shoot through your pre-orders. You've only got two days left. Uh, also, I sometimes forget to do this. Drink. And that is, no, <laughs> and that is plug the merch store. If you'd like some weird crap in Australia merch, like a cool t-shirt designed by our wonderful artist, Ignacio, uh, you can grab one. Just head to Red Bubble. No, I haven't done this for a little while, maybe. Is it, uh, it's weirdcrappinozaus.redbubble.com. You'll be able to grab yourself a t-shirt, a sticker, a coaster, a key ring, a magnet, a picture of me. Shower curtain for some Shower reason. Curtain, bath mats. You can pick up everything. Just slap our logo on it and Red Bubble will do the rest. There's a bunch of awesome designs to pick from in our profile and you can slap that on pretty much anything. Uh, little added little tidbit for those who have listened this far. Uh, Maryborough is actually in the middle of one of our highways of death <laughs> and that's where roughly concentrated where these animals are. So maybe they're not actually animals. They're just interdimensional beings that rock up and eat people. Ooh, you use, you're talking some of my language there. <laughs> some of my love language, interdimensional yeah. being. Every time Mary came up, I'm like, that's fucking familiar. Why is that familiar? And then while you were talking, I just went through and I had a look. Yeah, it's part of one of the highways of death. Well, there you go. Uh, plug, plug, plug. And don't forget Patreon. Patreon, we're actually offering quite a bit now. Uh, on Patreon, we release these episodes completely ad-free. You get a bonus episode each week. And I'm currently recording the audiobook for Weird Crap in Australia Volume 1. If you would like that early, if you want that in your hot little hands, every time we edit uh, and clean up a chapter uh, to get it ready for that audiobook release, we're uploading that to Patreon first. We don't even know if we're going to be able to basically com it. <laughs> compile this and, and release it on Audible. So right now, what I'm saying is if you want the audiobook of Weird Crap in Australia, Volume 1, you need to get on Patreon. Only $5 a month. For $5 a month, you get four episodes of Weird Crap in Australia ad-free, four minisodes, and four chapters of the audiobook. For $5, plus a little blog post, though we're pretty lazy with that. However, we are also going to be doing some uh, vlogging as well. 
Uh, you used the word. Yes, I win. Or I v, win. V blogging, as I like to say. Uh, we're going to be putting that all up on Patreon as well. We're trying to really make it worth it. Uh, $5 a month gets you that. We are also going to be doing another shout out episode very soon. That's where we go through and list all of our Patreon subscribers. So if you want that, if you want that audio book and you've told me you want it, I'm making it very slowly. And if you want the very slow version patreon and get it early like get get in there get it early like if you look at it this way monday mainline episode ad free uh tuesday minisode yes wednesday chapter of the audiobook the first four are already scheduled which means by the time this releases number four will be two three days away Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, essentially the shittiest days of the work week. <laughs> I, I think Thursday get and Friday you the best. We'll get you through the first shitty part of the week. Yep. For $5 a month. It's not bad at all. And that's it. I think that's all I got. Man. Yeah, that's all we need. That's all we do. <laughs> We're good. We're good. We're out of here. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Weird Crap on the Australia podcast. I've been your host, Matthew Soul. Researcher extraordinaire was Holly Soul. Yeah, right. Remind me to never go on a tour of Queensland because more and more of this shit keeps popping up. I want to go on a tour of Queensland just to point at fucking everything and go, I think there might be a crocodile over there. Is that a crocodile? Is that a crocodile? (laughs) I want to go on a crocodile tour, point at everything in the river, regardless (laughs) of whether it looks like a crocodile or not, and say, is that a crocodile? (laughs) Just for your reaction, (laughs) which I think would be golden. (laughs) Anyway, folks, we got more weird crap in Australia for you next week. Don't forget to join us. And thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. See you. The Weird Crap in Australia podcast is hosted and produced by Holly and Matthew Soule. Our editor is Blake Kell. Weird Crap in Australia is a production of The Modern Meltdown. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.